You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 41. Booyah! <laughs> Hi, Thomas Miller back with you this weekend. Thank you for joining us. Hope you are doing well. Santa's elves in the form of Amazon.com delivery service came early for Thomas this year. And, you know, around here, I buy stuff that's, uh, well, it's things like um, last year my Christmas present to myself was uh, a hardened Carmen stereo system for my office. It's one of those USB stereo systems. And if you've ever seen those, hardened uh, Harden Carmen, they're the, the ones that come in the kind of the clear tubes. And the base uh, subwoofer is this clear tubular looking thing and it's really a neat system and it sounds great and everybody at the office stops by and they say "Ooh, are those speakers everybody knew you know they come in and they oh are those speakers yes and they sound wonderful and i usually have music or an audiobook going at least when whatever i'm working on lends itself toward that well this year this year santa arrived in the form of a new microphone how does it sound I'm just, uh, I'm kind of one of those, I've always loved audio equipment and microphones. My brother and I are the same in this. My brother has a microphone collection and we're always throwing microphone ideas back and forth to each other. And so uh, I sold one that I had on eBay and uh, developed a wonderful rapport with a guy up in New Jersey who bought that microphone. And I turned around and bought this microphone and it arrived last night. So I'm having fun. Had to get in here and try it out. Testing one, two, three. All right, let's roll on a couple of things here. And then we're going to jump into some material for today. Now, I wanted to give you kind of the gist of another email that a listener wrote this week talking about a job situation. And basically what happened is he left his employment. He kind of just got upset. You remember the interviews that we did with Armand? He was definitely working for somebody else's agenda, realized it, and said goodbye. Now, he kind of mentioned that things had been deteriorating and that, you know, he kind of knew that this was heading toward a separation anyway. But he carries a mantra. He carries an affirmation with him that says, things always work out for me. What I didn't sense in any of his email was any fear or intrepidation or anything that would prevent him from just moving forward. Well, he says, fast forward two weeks and I had one of five interviews with different companies lined up and that he had visualized this and said that he received an offer from a packaging company, but it was mostly commission-based. But he says that he has Bob Proctor's Mission in Command course, went back and listened to it several times, and decided to go ahead and take the commission job. On top of that, he got his first account within a week. Now, here's where he says it gets interesting. He says, I was asked back for a second interview with a communications training company. On top of that, I was asked to see a third company by a headhunter. He says, when success comes, it comes in droves. And boy, isn't, isn't that the truth? He started pre-selling two weeks ago for the packaging company, the one with the commission. And he sent a list of companies that he was interested in contacting. And he gave it to the manager. Now, remember, he hasn't started yet. And one of the companies on his list sent an order in. <laughs> Is that not amazing? He hadn't even made a sales call yet. 
Then on Thursday, he had a second interview with the owner of the communications company, and potentially could receive an offer from them as well. You know, I guess what do you do with two jobs? <laughs> what a nice problem to have. But he said in closing that he said, "I can't stress enough that all of this success came from a positive mental attitude, visualizing and believing that positive things would happen." And an unwavering confidence in manifestation, even though he didn't know how things were going to unfold. You know, I love the stories、um, from the bag of potato chips in Australia to Dr. Sarno to Andrew's story about his multiple job dilemma, job offer dilemma. Andrew, I know you'll sort it out, and I know that it will be to your best. And congratulations, and thank you for sharing that because I'm sure. That you just shared some encouragement to several thousand people who、um, certainly could use it right now. So thank you. And on that note, I really just this week wanted to summarize a lot of the things that we've been talking about, especially related to this area of manifesting things, having things show up in your life, because obviously that's something that we all are interested in. And I've been reading the work of Greg Braden lately, listening to a couple of his audios and reading some of his material. He's the guy, you know, that I'm, you, I'm sure you know him kind of by his looks, but also he's the one who is a scientist. He was a scientist in several fields of science, including rocket science in Denver for some period of time, and then got interested in the spiritual aspect of things and took his scientific approach to looking at spirituality. Now, of course, there's a lot about the spiritual world that you can't put into a test tube, and he doesn't try. But what he's done is used his scientific analysis, his analytical and inquiry, his research skills, to go deeper, in essence, and connect a lot of the missing dots that we don't have in our, particularly our Western view of spirituality, which he advocates. As I have said, has to have something has to have happened in the fourth century around the Council of Nicaea and following, when basically the scriptures that we, the Western world, have operated from, whether and that's whether you're Roman Catholic or Anglican or Protestant, it, it really doesn't matter. It all shifted back in the three hundreds. So a lot of Braden's work now is around what changed. What was missing, what was left out, and how we can incorporate it into our lives. What he advocates is that the combination that was taken out of these ancient writings involves a combination of three things: three vibrational overlays, as he puts it, three components that have to be in complete alignment, and then through that alignment, we vibrate out into the universe, and the universe responds. Those three things are. Our thoughts. Now you've got that down, right? If you followed anything about the law of attraction, you know about that. Our thinking, and he correlates these to the chakra systems in our bodies. The top three chakras: our crown, our third eye, and our throat chakra. He attributes to the process of thought. The bottom three chakras: the root chakra, the sacral chakra, and the solar plexus are our emotions. And the emotions is a really key piece that's not often included in a lot of law of attraction、uh, material that you might come across. The combination, or put it in a mathematical formula, thoughts plus emotions equals feelings. And what's the one chakra left? Our heart chakra. And he says that the feelings emit from our heart chakra, 
And there's a website that he mentioned. It's heartmath.com. And they did a study back in the 90s where they said that they could literally test emotions radiating, radiating out from somebody's body to the degree of about 50 feet. Normally, you would think the aura might extend three feet for some people who have a big aura, big presence, maybe 10 feet. Somebody once said that they saw Tony Bennett's aura. They were somebody who could see auras, and they saw Tony Bennett's aura and said that it was huge. Well, try on that you could affect the emotions of objects and others up to 50 feet beyond you. I'll even throw another twist on this. You, a lot of you who have listened to the earlier podcast know that I have a coach that I work with. I've been working with her for a year now, and she reads energy, and she reads it very precisely. And she texted the other day and said, how are you doing? And it was about, I think, about 11 o'clock in the morning, and I was just having one of those down days. I was not feeling good, and the medicines and everything else were just not clicking right. And I told her, I said, well, I'm not feeling so good today. And she said, I could I could tell. And it dawned on me because I was just in the middle of reading this Braden stuff at about the same time. It really just clicked about the vibrational transmission that we really are like little radio towers broadcasting out a vibrational signal into the universe. If my coach can pick up on that energy across town What do you suppose the universe can pick up when you're in a great mood and you're bringing things and attracting things into your life? Or conversely, when you're in a cranky, grumpy mood and you're putting up blocks and you're pushing things away, do you not think that the universe can sense that far better than my coach across town who happens to be trained? She spent over 25 years learning this. But my goodness, you think about the divine substance, the divine force, divine energy is completely plugged in to our emotions and our feelings and what we radiate out. And it really makes you realize that you have to guard every thought, every emotion, every feeling. And I think that's where we experience the battle between the conscious and the subconscious. You know, a lot of times we've just flat don't want to feel good. We want to be grumpy. We choose. We make that choice. And then a lot of times we want to be in that alignment, but we can't get all three concentric. We can't get them together. And, of course, that's the uh, that's the study and that's the growth. And that's what we're learning to do is to practice this every day. What Braden is indicating then is that in a lot of ancient material that is not translated into our Western scripture, that the combination of our thoughts, our emotions, radiated out as our feelings, is in spiritual terms the equivalent of prayer. So it's not the words you say. It's not how you say them. It's more so how you feel when you're expressing this. And so a prayer can be more of a feeling than anything else. If you want to see something really cool on this, go on YouTube and search up Greg Braden. It's G-R-E-G-G, Braden, B-R-A-D-E-N. And then search Cancer Shrinks in Three Minutes. And that will point you to a couple of videos where he shows a scene as he sets up this book, The Lost Mode of Prayer, by uh, talking about an experiment that was done in China where somebody is laying on an exam table and the practitioners are not getting ready to operate. The patient has a tumor in their bladder. 
and they put an ultrasound image, and you can see the the text. I mean, it's not just a screenshot. There's a version of it where you can see the text, and they they put the uh, ultrasound scope on the patient's stomach, on their abdomen, and they find the tumor, and they freeze it on the left side of the screen, and then these practitioners literally do a prayer according to what we just talked about, and at the end of the prayer, their summation is. It is done. It's finished. It is complete. And you watch on the ultrasound as this three-inch tumor literally shrinks and disappears off the right side of the screen, while the stilled image of the tumor as it existed is up on the left. Now, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you can draw your own conclusions from that. But what he is saying is that what they practice is this type of prayer. And, you know, one of the things in the Bible that always mystified me is that Jesus said, if you follow my words and you follow my teaching, greater things will you do than what I have done. What did Jesus do? I mean, he walked on the water. He turned water into wine. He healed multiple people like in Jesus' ministry. This kind of thing would be expected. People brought their sick to Jesus so that he could do this. Well, if he really did do those things, and if he said, you will do greater things than I did, well, then what's missing? Some might say, well, we're not divine. He was divine. Okay, got it. Then why did he say that? Why did he not say, I'm God, you can't do this, I can, I'll be back later? He empowered his followers to say, you listen to my words. And this is where I think what Braden Braden is saying makes sense, and it was what experience I had of being very enmeshed in this Western um, Council of Nicaea-influenced scripture that was taught to me from the Protestant perspective where everything didn't line up. And I'm like, God, there's something missing here. And obviously, there's no documentation, there's no news flash, there's no blog from the 300s to tell us what really happened back then and what was and wasn't left out. But what we do have is a knowledge of these principles. And then when you see them start to work in ways like that, man, that's got my attention. That's the kind of thing that I want to know about. So, in summary, I just thought it would be good here at podcast number 41 Uh, To just go back over in a summary or review, if you will, of kind of how all – just put it all together in bullet points. So to kind of sum up the subconscious package, and I think you have to get to the point first where you realize that you don't come in a blank slate. There are prior influences, and whether you call them past lives or whether you call them just genetic predispositions – We don't come in just this completely unprogrammed blank slate. And, I mean, how do we all turn out so different? So I think the starting place is to realize that we bring stuff in with us. And that's okay because our life purpose is to work through these things. The second thing is that with that bundle that you arrive in with, on top of that, you are programmed. In the first six years of your life especially are the key years. There's also a key period between the ages of 10 and 14 where the environmental, family, social, geographic, all of that combines to program us into the unique little person that we are. You know, they say that no snowflake is alike, no human being is alike, and that's why. Because when you take all of that package of combination, there's no way that you can exactly duplicate it. 
Our subconscious mind retains literally everything that happens, every experience, every emotion, every word, every everything that takes place in our life, our subconscious mind retains. And by design, it is for the purpose of keeping us safe. So at various times, our subconscious mind will throw things up that are based exclusively on all the summation of those prior experiences. The subconscious mind is impressed upon, and so we can impress thoughts, feelings, emotions, as we've been talking about here, on our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is that connection with the universal force, and it will go out and find a way to fulfill what we've impressed upon it. The most effective way to impress on the subconscious mind is through visualization and repetition. There are lots of ways to achieve this, but if you can create the image and then hold that image, hold that thought, and then repeatedly influence the subconscious mind, whether it's through affirmations, vision boards, listening to audio, using post-it notes, or as somebody I've heard described this week, truth cards, like take an old stack of business cards, somebody said, that uh, have a bad address on them or something now, turn them over and write truth sayings on them and keep them with you and, and look at those as you're driving, look at them in the morning and the evening. But it's that repetition of reprogramming your subconscious mind because you're, what you're doing is you're having to reprogram your mind from what it captured at the time that it was its most impressionable. For all of your life, the first six years, let's say on a scale of one to ten, were about a nine and a half. You might be at a three or a four now or a five in comparison of what it takes to program against what was impressioned upon you in those formative years. So depending on how strong that programming was, you have to counterforce that. You have to overcome it. Not only the gap in the fact that you don't program as effectively now as you did then, and also the severity of it. In my case, I think I was really pretty severely programmed in those years. I mean, it was highly intense. So for me to overcome some of those things, I have to put a lot of attention and pressure on the, um, the effort today in order to overcome that programming. But eventually over time, it will shift. Another thing that you have to deal with is, again, this alignment factor. You have to get all the counterintentions out of the way. So not only do you have to get thoughts, emotions, feelings concentrically aligned, you also have to eliminate all of the counterintentions. So as Fred Dodson says, this is what this is what the audiobook uh, reality creation technique is all about. It's about eliminating or dealing with counterintentions. So as Dodson says, if you say I want to make fifteen thousand dollars a month with ease, and you come and then your subconscious mind says, Oh, you've never made that much money in your life. You don't even have a degree. How are you going to do that? Those are counterintentions, and you have to deal with each of those counterintentions. And the book, Reality Creation Technique, you can get the book on Amazon, you can get the uh, audio book that I did for him on audible.com, deals with counterintentions. Now you've also heard the term thoughts become things. Yes, they do. And when combined with the emotion, producing the feelings, when those are in alignment and the counterintentions are removed, that's the package that we're going for. Getting all of that in alignment is a very difficult process. Wallace Waddle said sustained thought. In other words, focusing on something, setting your mind on something and holding to that until it fulfills is one of the most difficult tasks that you can undergo. I would say, I would add to that, that alignment of thought, emotion, feeling, and the removal of counterintentions 
is the most difficult part of the process because buried within that whole thing from all that early programming are our beliefs. And whether they are subconscious or conscious, our beliefs are what drive our ultimate outcomes. If we believe something is true, then it will fulfill. If we believe something can't, it just totally is not possible, well, guess what? You pretty well have your answer. <laughs> you don't have to look much further. If you believe something to be true, like those Chinese scientists believed that that tumor was gone, and literally, I mean, like, like I say, unless there's just magic going on on the screen, that tumor reduces before your eyes. And I guess I'm one who chooses to believe that that's possible. And I want to find out more of how I can do it. And I'm sure you do, too. The reason for the focus on the subconscious mind here is not only because it does drive everything that we do, it controls so much of who we have become, and it also controls the direction that our life is going to take. So programming our subconscious mind in the way that we want our life to choose, we say we choose, I, this is the way I choose to live my life, and then bringing all of this in alignment so that our beliefs change, we align our thoughts, feelings, emotions we remove counterintentions, and then we can go out into our lives and affect the lives of others in a very positive way. Thank you for listening today. I hope this helps a little bit, and thank you again for your very kind emails and words of encouragement. My name is Thomas Miller. Enjoy your journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.